0: Hello, I'm David Coffin, artist-in-residence at Revels, and I'd like to welcome you to Revels Connects, our Musical Connection series. This set of programs offers intimate 45-minute salon-style performances with a variety of musical tradition bearers, plus a companion podcast with the featured artist hosted by the Massachusetts Cultural Council's Maggie Holtzberg head of their Folk Arts and Heritage program. The series explores musical traditions from around the world with insights from our guest tradition bearers and performers and a deeper dive into the roots of their music, instruments, and cultural journeys through a curated interview. We are excited to collaborate with the Massachusetts Cultural Council. The Revels Connects Musical Connection series is sponsored in part by a grant from the Ithaca Foundation.
1: These are tough times for the performing arts, both for artists and for audiences, like those who regularly attend Revels events. The Revels Connect series is an online performance series initiated as a response to the pandemic that hit early in the spring of 2020. I'm Maggie Holtzberg, folklorist with Mass Cultural Council's Folk Arts and Heritage Program, And today's conversation is a companion podcast to Johnny Nichols' performance of Spirituals, which was filmed at Payson Park Church in Belmont, accompanied by Revel's uh, former music director, Megan Henderson. Hello, Johnny.
2: Good morning, how are you, Maggie?
1: (laughs) I'm okay. Um, Let's start with a little bit about your background. You are originally from Louisiana, and I'd like you to talk about your musical journey, starting with the music you heard at home.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So my grandfather was an evangelist in the South, and he traveled all over the Gulf Coast preaching. And uh, because we were a singing family, uh, we all traveled with him and sang at these different uh, religious events, uh, conferences, and etc. So. Uh, church music, religious music, especially gospel music, was something um, that was that was just embedded in my home, uh, and and you know I loved it. I loved every moment of it. And then I do remember every Saturday morning, I, I listen to S- XM Radio now and uh, turn it on the the cl- uh, classic stations, and I hear a lot of Motown stuff, and it brings me back to. Uh, Saturday morning cleaning that my mom would turn on the record player and uh, listen to all of these great jams uh, while cleaning. Uh, But at the end of the day, it was because we were such a a closely knit religious family. uh, Sacred music was something that was very important. And I listened to most of the time, everything from spirituals all the way to the current gospel songs.
1: What a wonderful environment to grow up in. Um. Yeah. I remember you telling a story about your father uh, and the use of a term called moans. Can Mm -hmm. you share that with us?
2: You know, so I didn't know what moans were back in the day. I just knew that they were a sign of something negative. (laughs) My father would oftentimes moan, nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Or uh, even my grandmother would sit in her rocking chair and just rock and moan (laughs) and you know, one of the things at an early age that I did recognize was she, my grandmother, and my grand and my father seemed so much at peace. And anytime I would see any other um, African American moan, they seemed uh, to have some type of inner peace. And those moans, as I grew up and started looking and studying at them academically, those moans were really expressions. Uh, because the words really couldn 't express what you felt and how you felt it, and so you had to ascend to moans. Uh, my father would after coming home from a long day 's work, he would moan, my grandmother, as I said, sitting on the p- porch moaning and and I would honestly love to give anything in this world to be inside of their heads to know exactly what they were feeling, and you know what they were thinking about you know those moans probably were thoughts about you know decades ago whenever their family was living or uh, a troublesome time or a joyous time so you know it 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 was it, it buried and i find myself moaning now and you know for me it's something sacred and spiritual and calming within myself and and I don't even catch myself. Oftentimes, my friends are like, Johnny, why are you singing? And and I don't catch myself doing it. It just becomes a natural thing um, that that is so important to the soul of African Americans.
1: For listeners who may not be familiar with the term moan, can you, I know I'm putting you on the spot, but can you give us an example <laughs> of what a moan would sound like?
2: Yeah. Um, if I were to sing, um, so moans, first of all, really kind of went outside of the structured piece of music. Uh, oftentimes moans would um, embellish a lot on the melody, uh, or new tune would even be created. So a moan, if I were to sing uh, Moan Amazing Grace, it would sound...
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm. and even then you know intonation wasn't a an issue for me like my intonation was all over the place rhythm, tempi were all over the place, but it was really organic about, you know, uh, regarding how I felt at the time. Uh, so that would be, an, uh, but moans, just to save us everyone time, moans would be a lot longer than that. Uh, they <laughs> it would be almost a dirge in the tempo, uh, but yeah, that's, that's a moan, yeah.
1: Sort of transportive. <clears throat> yeah, um,
0: absolutely.
1: Uh, now it sounds like you, you left home To study music formally, um, earning degrees in choral conducting and performance, and you've even worked extensively in in, um, theater. So I wanted to understand how that wide ranging background serves you in the singing of spirituals.
2: Because you learned what a spiritual isn't, (laughs) you know, uh, but you also get a chance to see. The important place that spirituals have in society, in the musical world, um, you know, there's no formalized uh, definition of a spiritual. Spirituals have been around since the early 1600s, and and scholars even today cannot even agree of what a spiritual is. But we can all agree with what a spiritual isn't. Um, and not only that, but it, you know, with my spirituals. And and the contemporary songs I sing today, there's a connection of feeling and emotion and uh, organic performance uh, that most people don't ever get a chance to experience. You know, my background in gospel music and sacred music and spirituals uh, have allowed me to speak earnest or to sing earnestly, to sing with uh, with with grit with with authenticity and it's honestly I think that having all of these genres these idioms of music in the back of my head really enhances each other my my knowledge in you know singing Motown really does help my singing of spirituals my knowledge in classical music also helps and vice versa so it you know it, it it's all building blocks and with spirituals being the foundation because it was essentially one of the first forms of folk songs in america
1: talk a little bit about the 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 history and the cultural context of spirituals how they came about um in this country and possibly you know roots in africa
2: yeah so you know spirituals are more unique to america Uh, to Western civilization. And, you know, in the 1600s, when the first set of slaves came over, they were forced to sing even on the boat. Mm -hmm. And, you know, but but singing was something natural to slaves. Um, You know, there's a lot of scholars who will write that folks on the continent of Africa, their influence of music was much stronger than any other continent or, or a geographical location on this earth and so singing was incredibly incredibly important to uh, the slave and when we came uh, when slaves came over to um, America of course slaves were forced to um, to practice Christianity uh, and so out of their grief and out of their pain and out of their struggle with the spiritual was born uh, out of their love and importance of music to what was forced upon them from their slave owners.
1: Um, give listeners a sense of what kind of contexts an enslaved person would sing a spiritual in.
2: Well, you know, it's funny because... Um, a spiritual is a subsection of what's called a slave song. Mm-hmm. So you have a whole bunch of slave songs, and those slave songs could in- include spirituals. They could include a ring shout. They could include a moan. Um, they could include, uh, you know, plantation songs, work songs, and so forth. So the the spiritual uh, was more of a. Um, the the context you asked, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, well, like you know, think of daily life, a different, yeah. you know, different times of the day.
2: Um, yeah, so so the the context was was depending on what they needed it for. If you look at spirituals today, there is no tempo at all in any of the spirituals. Mm-hmm. There are no typically whenever you look at a sheet of music at the top left or right hand, depending on the publisher side, they will put some type of note like sing this excitedly sing this joyously sing this uh beautifully and so forth right none of that stuff really exists on a true spiritual because they were sung at that particular time for that particular need oftentimes spirituals did have a double meaning like uh, keep your lamps trimmed and burning Uh, that spiritual on its face of course was a sacred term that basically said be ready for jesus right And uh, but also it was a sign that said, hey, you know, tonight we're going to actually go and walk. So make sure your lamps are trimmed and and are able to be burned throughout the night. So there was that context. There was the context, um, you know, even as they worked, you had spirituals uh, that helped with making sure that things were in line and folks were being worked together. And oftentimes you'll have this debate on how. The, the speed of many of these spirituals. So say, for instance, soon I will be done with the troubles of the world is a spiritual that oftentimes uh, is up for debate with the tempo. So oftentimes you'll hear, soon I will be done with the troubles of the world, the troubles of the world, the troubles of the world. Or soon I will be done with the troubles of the world. And that actually depended on what the conductor or the writer intended for that song to be. If it were a work song, you can imagine that uh, it's very difficult for a, uh, a slave to actually work and till the ground with a, a, a hoe or something, and it would be, Right, we'll be done with the troubles right? And <laughs> working in that tempo would tire out the slave super fast, so, of course, it would be a lot slower. Soon I will be done with the troubles of the world. So... Um, So, yeah, so it just, again, it just really depends on what was the purpose at the particular time. Spirituals span all sorts of emotions and reasons.
1: Yeah, and I I often associate, um, I wanted to talk a little bit about call and response, because Mm -hmm. I associate that with secular work songs, like you just mentioned, you know, field hollers or sea shanties, but also with singing in a religious context like the Mm -hmm. lining out of hymns in church. But um, can you describe a little bit how how call and response might function in in a spiritual?
2: So call and response is very interesting because they were often, as you said, used in work songs, but it was also an element of singing that helped the uneducated slave. Um, Because if you sang... um, you know the 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 spiritual amen so the song goes amen 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 and then you have a leader see the little baby and then everyone will go amen and those folks were oftentimes uneducated they didn't know the words and just like most um most folk songs or folk stories, they were passed on. And so there was no lyric sheet. So everyone may not have known the lyrics. So that was one of the really importances of call and response. Um, there was also that that idea that spirituals were very organic. So yes, while you had, see the little baby, and everyone would go, amen. But if there was something that happened that day, something that was joyous, you know, um we crossed over Jordan saying that they successfully crossed over the river into safety, then they would sing amen to that. Or if it was something like, you know, I escaped, uh, you know, a punishment or something, folks would praise about that. So that call and response would act in, in sorts of a way to celebrate or to talk about what was happening at that particular time.
1: Right. So there would be a lot of improvisation and a
2: lot of it.
1: Um, that makes a lot of
2: sense. Mm-hmm. A lot of improv and, and a lot of, again, one of the key elements to spirituals is how things were very organic to the soul.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, from my understanding, you know, a spiritual something that began as an oral tradition of religious singing, right? By African-Americans during the time of slavery. And then, involved into a repertoire for solo and choral performances on the Mm -hmm. concert stage. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm thinking of touring groups uh, from historically black colleges and universities. Can you talk to us a little bit about how that transition took place? Because it's a huge shift.
2: Yeah. um, So, so, as you said, it was an oral tradition and people didn't, write stuff down. They didn't even know how to write down music, how to record music. Um, And that was a phenomenon for the longest time that wasn't necessarily unique to just African-Americans or slaves. It was unique to a lot of folks. And so you had your very uh, academic and seasoned Uh, composers and uh, academics and music, and they would take the spiritual and make it into something that was an art form. And one of the first people to do it, believe it or not, was Dvorak, the the guy who uh, wrote uh, Symphony of the New World. He was one of the first persons to come out and say the spirituals is a very important art form. And of course, there's no surprise, his colleagues across Western Europe were all like, no, because of course, it was African-Americans who were singing it. Um, But once he actually started naming spirituals as a, a legitimate musical art form, people started writing it and they wrote it down in unison first because they didn't really recognize now mind you these are white people these are europeans they didn't understand um the harmonies that were associated with african singing and so eventually there was a publication called uh plantation songs Plantation and Cabin Songs, I believe that was the name of it. And they were the first to start writing down harmonies. And their idea was they wanted to capture the real sound of slaves. Because slaves, Africans, would oftentimes sing in three or four-part harmony. And, of course, whenever uh, spirituals or slave songs were sung, they were likely... um, they were likely songs that were in four- or three-part harmony. So that came about. And then you had the the Fisk Jubilee Singers, which was uh, an HBCU out of Tennessee. And uh, I think, if I'm not mistaken, the oldest HBCU out there. Um, and they started putting them down for choruses for the stage. And it was really important because it it gave society an opportunity to really understand a spiritual and to be exposed to spirituals for the first time. So once they started taking these normal spirituals that were just written, um, you know, to be frank, very hymn-like, you know, very four-part, very um, um, kind of structured, and um, then you had different composers to come in and actually make these wonderful arrangements to the spirituals that you hear today on the big stage.
1: Yeah, um, talking about following up on that um, style, style mm-hmm. in the singing of spirituals, would you agree then, I think you basically said this, that the style of singing spirituals became much more arranged, a mix of folk and European classical influences for concert halls. Yeah. If that happened, can you talk about, like, what was gained and possibly what was
2: lost? Um. <sighs> that's actually a really good question. (laughs) What was gained and what was lost? I, I think what was gained was this universal use of the spiritual and this universal knowledge and appreciation of the spiritual for sure. And not only that, but it was the energy it was the storytelling in spirituals, because like I said before, spirituals, spirituals were used for a very specific thing at that very specific time. Arrangers have come about to write spirituals to help tell a story within that spiritual. So if you, you know, hear something like Deep River right the tempo of it is typically very slow it typically is a song for mourning or for reflection right and so the original arranger of that has set the music up in a way that it tells that story of reflection of mourning or loss or something like that so we've, we've gained the storytelling aspect of it that is very specific and oftentimes i guess what has been lost is the idea that spirituals were saying for so many different reasons. So like Deep River, oftentimes you hear this as a slow piece and it's, you know, mourning, but have you ever heard it as an upbeat piece of music? Have you ever heard it as an inspirational piece of music? And and you don't really hear it as that anymore because we've kind of pigeon these songs in a certain way. Um, so if, if anything, I think that, that is the, the element that's lost, is the authenticity behind what was sung and the flexibility behind the spirituals
1: yeah that's that's really well said um and let me ask you about a word you used earlier grit Mm -hmm. um you know and when you're ready when are you ready to perform a spiritual um tell us that story about your mentor oh
2: (laughs) (laughs) oh lewis neighbors uh a fantastic fantastic mentor as well as um as a singer and teacher, uh, grew up in Louisiana as well and traveled the world singing spirituals as well as classical pieces. Uh, Really big basso profundo. (laughs) He stood about eight foot tall. The funniest thing about him is that he was about eight foot tall, about 300 pounds, and drove a Mini Cooper. So it was... (laughs) So he always came in at like 845 on the dot and it was just one of those things that... I would like to just stand outside and sit outside to watch him get out of his car. (laughs) Uh, But a good guy. But he, um, I remember him first teaching me about the spiritual. And, you know, we we sang, you know, some, I forget what simple spiritual it was. And I said, Mr. Neighbors, I want to learn an actual spiritual. He said, Johnny, you're not ready. And I said, I'm not ready. What do you mean? And he was like, you know, you don't know heartache you don't know true triumph you don't know what it's like to actually have some type of um, situation in your life that you feel enough that you can express it and emote it and of course I was like oh yes I am I'm totally okay to do that so he gave me a spiritual and I remember 30 seconds into me opening my mouth he stops slaps me across my head, my forehead, and said, Johnny, you're singing like a white boy. <laughs> so, <laughs> and didn't know what that meant. And I it, I also was thinking, okay, well, I'm, you're teaching me classical techniques, so of course I'm going to quote-unquote sound like a white boy. Um, but it gave me some time to really understand what he meant by that. And I forget what spiritual it was, but basically he was saying that I didn't have... I had a technique. I was not performing it in a way that spirituals were supposed to be performed—that emote in such a way. Uh, yes, I I agree that spirituals are songs that can be sang by any race, by any age, because we all go through things, um, and that's why I thought I was ready because I've been through things. You know, my young nineteen-year-old self thought that I've been through some things, but to perform a spiritual with the correct style meant that there were things that you had to really lean into, like the dialect. Like, instead of singing children, you sing children or chillen. Um, if you sing father, you sing father. Um, you know, for the longest time, what's the name of that song? Um, oh, I, I did not understand Joshua fit the battle of Jericho, right? Joshua fit the battle of but it took me a while to understand that fit even though it meant fought because i would always self-correct joshua fought the battle um but it's supposed to be fit because that was the dialect and so i had to learn how to lean into those those uh emotions and feelings and technicalities that a slave would i also had to think about you know even like the moans how do i embellish and do bends and and let my voice emote in a way that actually told my pain or my triumph in a story. Uh, So oftentimes when I do hear spirituals or sing spirituals or even teach them, I I teach the style that's associated with it. And not only just the, the style, but what the voice should sound like. How the voice, you can change and manipulate your voice in so many ways, but how can you manipulate your voice to sound rich and, and smooth and, and lyrical in what you're doing? Because that is, that, in a performance sense, that is what we need in order for you to actually tell the story in an authentic way. Uh, so, so that grit is, is that really digging and leaning and, and, and the study behind what that is.
1: It's fascinating. I mean, it's it's like you have to be culturally informed, but also a trained singer. So it's this marvelous mix of folk and classical traditions. Yes. Oh, um, yeah. Absolutely. You embrace so beautifully. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you.
2: (laughs) I love it. You know, it's 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 almost theatrical in a sense. I'm sorry to cut you off, but it's almost it's almost theatrical, uh, being able to you know, in in a theater sense, you have two hours to tell a whole story. The challenge with the spiritual is, and not a bad challenge, but how do you take a two-minute song and tell the lifetime of a slave? And so you you get a chance to exercise some of your theatrical chops um, to really emote that. and, And you know that you've successfully done that if you have been able to have the audience really stand back and reflect and see that whole entire picture of the slave in just that one song
1: well is there anything i haven't thought to ask that you want to add
2: um you know i i I talked about what a spiritual is not and one of the things that we've said is uh in in the world of academia is that a spiritual is not gospel and i recently had this conversation not too long ago it's it's easy for one to think that gospel is a spiritual and spiritual is gospel, uh, but it's not. Uh, both, yes, are idioms of music that are primarily celebrated by the African American culture, and they both have sacred text. But one, the spiritual uh, was an organic piece, the spiritual was a folk piece, a spiritual was a piece that was ever so changing until it was actually written down. Um, and even the words were changing a gospel piece is yes it derived from spirituals but it, it also more importantly has influences of jazz and the blues especially in the chord structure and how they're written um, and I, and I want to make sure that that's important for people to understand is that a spiritual is not gospel and a gospel is not spiritual that's one of the huge things to remember
1: well, thank you, and thank you for enlightening us on the world of spirituals.
2: Absolutely. This has been a pleasure.
1: Okay. Thank you.
2: Tim. Yes. Thank you.
0: Hello.